everyone and welcome to That Time When, the comedy history podcast where we tell you all about strange things that happened in history. My name is Amelia Edwards and with me is my co-host Barnaby King. Hello everyone. Hello. Now Barnaby, how much do you know about St. Francis of Assisi? Um, so there's a couple of things I kind of know, uh, and it's mostly based on comedy stuff. Sure. And one experience in my actual life. All right, go ahead. So the comedy stuff, I know there's Hark a Vagrant, where mm-hmm. the birds bring him weed. <laughs> <laughs> and there's also a Just Williams story. Um, for those who don't know Just William, it's an old children's story, well, series of stories about mm-hmm. a mischievous young rapscallion uh, called William Brown. Uh, and his series of friends. And there is a book in that where he hears about St. Francis. Okay. And hears about how he sort of liked to live one with the natural world sort of thing. Yeah. And wasn't really materialistic. And so he believes that he and his fellow outlaws, their gang name, yeah. uh, should become Franciscan monks. Okay. <laughs> they try it for about a day and then do not like it. That's fair enough. <laughs> and uh, I saw a statue of St. Francis when I went to Sorrento uh, back with the school when we went on a trip to Italy because I did Latin because that's how middle class I am. Wonderful. Uh, it was a good statue. Good. Um, did it have birds in it? It did have birds in it, of course. Yes. Uh, I believe that is a staple of St. Francis iconography it really is the sort of idea that he used to preach to the birds because even the animals deserve to know about god (gasps) he's joe gould he He knows the language of the birds (laughs) (laughs) he speaks to them in poetry do we know what saint francis ate was it ketchup in a bowl no we do know what he ate oh okay and it was really really simply cooked vegetables mostly and bread that he was given Oh, well, that is still a little bit Joe Gould. It's a little bit Joe Gould. Um, <laughs> at this point in time, I believe tomatoes had not been brought into Europe. I thought you were going to say tomatoes had not been invented yet. No, <laughs> I, I think tomatoes It was invented by Reverend John C. Tomato, <laughs> a known botanist. Imagine if tomatoes were just invented. Yeah. That would be great. <laughs> he was trying to grow apples and something went hideously wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Especially because tomatoes and apples are not at all related. <laughs> no, they're not. That's why it was so hideous. Mm. But he prayed to God because mm-hmm. he was a reverend. Of course. And God gave him tomatoes. That is why uh, in all modern depictions of Adam and Eve, they're actually eating tomatoes if you look close enough. Oh, that's true. Tomatoes yeah. are the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil, as we recall. Yeah. The... Um, Modern retelling of the story of the Garden of Eden Eden has Eve uh, picking the tomatoes and preparing it into a nice salsa, which she serves to Adam. <laughs> really, the sin was that they did not yet have tortilla chips. No, or guacamole. Sad times. She could not make nachos. <laughs> and thus God cast them out of the Garden of Eden. For nachos are mine, saith the Lord. <laughs> Okay, I okay. think we're a bit off topic Back here. on course, then. So tell me about St. Francis. What sort of man was he? Okay, so generally speaking, your ideas about St. Francis are pretty much correct in our sort of general understanding of St. Francis. He's known to be a particularly kind saint, um, one who cared a lot about animals and the poor, Yay. which is the reason why the current Pope has named himself after Francis. Oh, yeah, I forgot that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And he also created the Franciscan monks Mm -hmm. who are 
usually known as friars. And they were quite interesting because instead of putting themselves down in one place and focusing on prayer, like the Benedictine monks did, Mm -hmm. um, they used to wander around and tell the truth about God to the poor and also help them in what ways they could. It's pretty handy that they were Franciscan friars and his name was Francis. Mm -hmm. Like that's got to be a great coincidence. You come along, you're just a new saint, you're starting off in your new job, you're looking for a following Mm -hmm. and you run into this bunch of people in robes and you're like, hey, what are you? And you're like, we're Franciscan friars. Like, shit, I'm St. Francis. And they're like, oh, brother, (laughs) come over here. You can be the head of our order. Well, St. Francis created them. Yes. Hence why they're Franciscans. I'm being facetious. I know, I know. But I I want to make this clear for our listeners. (laughs) Who may Um, think I'm a moron (laughs) (laughs) also his name wasn't actually francis really yes okay okay so i'll tell you the story of his life Mm -hmm. um today i want to tell you about his origin story rather than about anything else do 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 are we seeing some francis appear in the marvel cinematic universe anytime soon of course yes i mean he can talk to the birds And he was also really, really brave. Ah, Um, excellent. So he would make a good superhero. So, ah, this makes sense then, that story about St. Francis fighting off the aliens. (laughs) Oh, if only. But he did (laughs) at one point literally walk into the Sultan's camp and try to convert him to Christianity and got arrested while he was doing it. So I feel like he's up there in terms of bravery. That is a ballsy move. You only really see that in the Book of Mormon. I know, right? (laughs) As in the musical, not, yes, as, yeah. not, as, not as in the actual Book of Mormon. <laughs> okay, so St. Francis of Assisi, mm-hmm. here is his origin story. And um, he was... <laughs> do, 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 do. <laughs> Sorry, superheroes have ruined the term origin story. I know. Um, I think we can, let's play some kind of superhero origin story type music <laughs> over, over this bit, sure. rather than you having to sing it. Yeah, fair enough. So he was either born in 1181 or 1181. Totally gonna put the fart music. Don't do that. No, we know it's bad. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Are you gonna run from me? No, no, no. You sure? Sure. You said I'm sad. All right then. So he was born in 1181. You want to interrupt me? <laughs> the I temptation is so great. <laughs> okay, he was either born in 1181 or 1182 in Assisi, obviously, which for our listeners out there is in central Italy, basically around where the calf muscle would be if Italy was a boot. <laughs> That's a great way of describing it. I know. Also, the name sounds like a person who's a little bit unsure and then very certain. But, ah, si, si. Yes. Um, his father was Pietro de Bernardone de Morricone. Ooh. I know. Morricone. Morricone. Um, who was a silk merchant. Oh, nice. So... Really wealthy. At mm. this point in time, the silk industry was kind of kicking off. And yeah. if you want to have a luxury industry that you can um, transport and trade things around the whole of Europe, silk is a good one. Mm. Wool is better <laughs> because more people buy wool, yes. but silk is more expensive. Yeah. So, and kind of fancier as well. So if you're trying to be a fancy traveling merchant, you mm-hmm. go for silk. Yes. If you're just trying to be thrifty, then you go for wool. Exactly. Excellent. Um, so, as I said, Francis was not called Francis originally. He was called Joe. He was called Giovanni. Oh, I was actually surprisingly close. You were so close. Yeah. Giovanni. Giovanni. But his father was away in France when he was born and baptised. Right. And apparently, 
um, Pietro had done really well in France business-wise. So when he came home, he took to calling his new son Francesco, meaning the Frenchman. Right. That's weird. I know. But he loved his trade, this guy. He's super <laughs> into making money. And he's clearly... super into, like, France at the moment. His wife was also French. Yeah. And he's a bit so-so about his son. Yeah. <laughs> like, the main thing he, t- he thinks about with his son is... Man, I made some good deals when you were born. Absolutely. <laughs> it's like, you know what? I wasn't here for your birth, but I made so much money. <laughs> A caring and doting father, clearly. Of course. <laughs> now, St. Francis, um, I'm going to call him just Francis until he gets to the saint bit. Okay. Um, he was a proper man about town as he grew up. So as a teenager, he was a fan of the troubadours who were basically neats right. um, and musicians and lovers of women Yeah. Um, who were really popular in southern France at the time. Um, oh, and- I bet they were. <laughs> Lads, lads, lads. We have mentioned the Troubadours briefly before because I think it was the grandfather of Eleanor of Aquitaine was one of the first Troubadours. Yeah. And like in a big way. Yeah. Um, (laughs) In in a very much loads of ladies kind of way. Yeah. So was was Francis a lad then? Was he putting it about? Um, I don't know as to his relationships with women. Right. But I am going to class him as one of our historical lads. Okay. Because... Basically, he spent his money lavishly. Mm. Um, he really loved fine clothes and to look really good. He right. hung around with rich friends and he used to apparently be kind of like witty. So I think he was into the banter. He sounds like he's a proto-Lord Byron. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> um, less... Syphilitic? Not bad. <laughs> <laughs> No, I get, no, I, I, get, I was yeah. thinking he doesn't seem to be a ladies' man from anything that I've read. Right, but he is, you know, extravagant, spending yeah. his wealth, liking to hang around with the right sorts. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. He he wants to have a good time, mm. young Francis. Um, as part of this, he was also really interested in a military life. Okay, and this makes loads of sense for the time because the Third Crusade had finished in 1192 when he was just nine or ten years old. So imagine being brought up on all these stories of glory and Richard the Lionheart. Ah, and he wants to be a dashing captain. Exactly. To not impress the ladies, but you know, impress his mates. Yeah, I guess. Um, <laughs> so also at this point, we're expecting if you have a military lifestyle, you get that honor, glory. Yeah. Um, it leads to more of a troubadour lifestyle as well. Mm-hmm. So all of that. Uh, He's a troubadour fanboy, really. He is. (laughs) By the way, he is considered the first Italian poet by some people. Really? Because he did write poetry and he did write it in Umbrian. Um, He Ah, comes from Umbria. Yeah. Um, Whereas people before had been writing in French or Latin. Mm. So he's one of these people who starts to write in the language of the people. Yeah. So that's just a little throwaway. But he was interested in poetry. Isn't it... It's just struck me how mad that is as a concept that like these people were revolutionary because they wrote stuff in the language that people could read. Yeah. That more people could read than just a few elites. Well, if we consider he was like he was around and writing in the early 1200s. Chaucer is considered the father of English. Yeah. And he wasn't writing until the late 1300s. Mm. 
Up until then, there were some people who were writing in English, but nobody came close to Chaucer. It's just one of those things to like, when you, you think about it, and it's just like, it just seems mad. It's like going, have you read the latest Harry Potter? No, I haven't. It's in Russian. Yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> don't know why my mind went to Harry Potter. I've been talking about it a lot with the students recently. Ah, that would be why. There you go. I overhear a lot of Amelia's like... Live lessons. Live lessons over video chat because obviously we're in lockdown. Most of Amelia's work is from home, although she does have to go into school occasionally Mm -hmm. because everyone's a key worker these days. Am I right? Hey. Anyways. I don't know what point I was making I don't know what point you were making that either. I've been talking about Harry Potter a lot. It's because the kids read Harry Potter and they like it. Mm -hmm. And I try to encourage them in anything they like to read. Oh, well done. All right. So um, let's talk a little bit about his military career. Mm -hmm. It was short-lived. I'm not surprised considering, like, he's known to be, like, a super peaceable saint. (laughs) I can't imagine him being, like, super bloodthirsty. Well, okay, so... In about 1202, Mm -hmm. so when he was 19 or 20... Yeah. um, He joined a military expedition against Perugia. Against where? Perugia. Oh. Another part of Italy. Yes, yeah. Um, He immediately got captured... And he was a prisoner for about a year. Oh, no. Um, During this time, he seems to have got ill as well. um, But because he's a reasonably wealthy, uh, not nobility, but considered, I guess, a gentleman. Yeah. um, He was looked after. Yeah. And he probably, you know, he was probably in better place than most other soldiers because he would have not quite been suffering from so much malnutrition. That's true. <laughs> so really, a little holiday for him. Yeah. <laughs> um, in 1205, he mm-hmm. tried to enlist in another army in Italy. Uh, but while he was on his way there, he got ill again. Oh, no. I know. I think constant illness is just something that turns up in the Middle Ages, yeah. really. Um, and at this point, he had a vision telling him to turn back and go back to Assisi. Oh, okay. So he did. So something I haven't mentioned about Francis is despite the fact that he was a lad, mm-hmm. he was also really generous. Okay. Um, so there was a story about one time he was selling cloth and uh, velvet for his father in the, mar- in the marketplace in Assisi. Mm-hmm. And while he's in the middle of this interaction, a, a beggar approaches him yeah. and asks for alms. A-L-M-S. <laughs> and some Francis guys, I can't do that, but I've got a couple of good legs for you. <laughs> um, obviously, he can't finish his business transactions right then and there. Yeah. But as soon as his transactions are over, he runs after the beggar and gives him all the money he has in his pockets. Damn. Presumably, this also includes the money he's just made. Yeah, his dad's not going to be happy. And his, his dad clearly doesn't like him that much as it is. His friends made fun of him for doing this. And his father was really angry about yeah. it. Which, I mean, if you're a cloth merchant, you're gonna. it's understandable. Yeah, yeah. But it's got to be one of those things that, like, if you're a proper practicing Christian of the era, it's got to be, like, a little bit conflicted where it's like, gave all our money away, but it is kind of Jesus-y. Well... The thing is that in medieval times, although there were lots of people who were worshippers mm-hmm. and believed in God, yeah. it's pretty much like Christians today. A reasonable number of Slackers. Pe- <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> okay, so people who are religious... Yeah. Often we know that they tend to just follow the form of it in yeah. order to keep in with their, like 
neighbours or community. Or they go crazy and think that Donald Trump is the new messiah for some reason. Well, that's true. You could do that too if you like. Um, so but you really shouldn't. You really shouldn't. <laughs> A lot of medieval people, even though they seem super religious to us, mm-hmm. weren't actually practising religious. They just did the form, if okay. you see what I mean. So in terms of things like giving away all your money to charity, it's something you were encouraged to do. But if you really did it, then people would think you were mad. Right, I see. So again, it's like you'd, you'd be expected to give little amounts and you'd mm. be encouraged to do that but doing something like running after beggars in the marketplace and giving away all your cash yeah was not something that you were expected to do no otherwise there wouldn't be any more beggars well that's true <laughs> <laughs> and also your wealthy silk merchants won't be wealthy anymore yeah so and you, you've got to keep that money in place right capitalism ho <laughs> <laughs> the medieval period was surprisingly capitalist. Well, I'm just going to say that now. No, I mean, that makes perfect sense. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, so, after he'd had his vision, the one mm-hmm. telling him to turn back to Assisi, mm-hmm. he started to become more religious and have more moments a bit like that one. Okay. So, for example, at one point, he was um, on horseback, riding through the fields of Umbria, as a young wannabe knight is likely to do. Yeah. And he encountered a leper. Ah. So... People with leprosy at this time, or actually any kind of like massive skin disease, which were all classed together as being leprosy, right? Um, were outcasts, yeah, like complete outcasts of society because people didn't really know how medicine worked at the time or how diseases worked. So leprosy was often seen as a curse from God, and they also thought that it might be contagious. Man, I, I mean, I have to say. I didn't know that they sort of like grouped all these things together as leprosy. Mm. I kind of just thought that leprosy was, you know, more prevalent. But you got to feel really bad for like, I suffer from eczema. Yeah. Like, I'd be cast out. I'd be trailing after Jesus going, please, please give me some, some Aveeno. <laughs> <laughs> Can Jesus turn water into Aveeno, please? Shout out to Avino there if they could send us some <laughs> some free product for marketing. Yeah, please do. That'd be awesome. A lot of shit burns my skin, and uh, yeah, yeah. I'm making myself seem dumb and gross this episode. <laughs> oh no, you're all oh, right. No, it's, it's okay, all right. It's okay. I'm just playing around. Okay. So, um, yeah, a lot of things got classed together as being leprosy. Basically, mm. any kind of skin disease counts as leprosy, and um, like once it reaches a certain point, one imagines that there were a certain there was a certain amount of eczema you could probably have got away yeah, with. Yeah, yeah. Um, so people used to think that if you touched a leper, you would get leprosy yourself. It was considered a really unclean thing to do. I feel like I used to think that. Like, I, I guess my first, like, exposure to the idea of leprosy was in school when mm-hmm. we talk about, like, religious stories. Yeah, and in the religious stories, people always want to avoid lepers. Yeah. And that's because in biblical times, people believed that if you got near to people with leprosy you'd get it too Ah. but saint francis managed to overcome his aversion um he got down off his horse embraced this man and licked his face (laughs) but he did give him all the money he had i've got to say (laughs) saint francis yeah uh i just realized this was today there would be several tory mps lining up to say saint francis was virtue signaling oh yeah (laughs) So after this, he made a pilgrimage to Rome. Mm-hmm. And while he was there, he visited the tomb of St. Peter. Okay. And he was shocked because people had given so little 
to right. the tomb of St. Peter. So obviously he opens up his purse, <laughs> empties the whole thing out. At this stage, it's basically two pennies and a bit of pocket loot. <laughs> I passed by a beggar on the way here. What are you going to do? Yeah, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, you can kind of see there's a bit of a theme going on here. He mm. tends to be very much all about the give away all your money. Yeah. Which, to be fair, Jesus does tell you to do in the Bible. I mean, yes. No, yeah, he is... He's pretty he's pretty literal about jesus's teachings yeah <laughs> the reason why francis is able to do this though is because although his dad is a bit stern and mm. a little bit over the top about his business yeah and um, he did lavish money on saint francis he was a spoiled kid as far oh, as we can tell fair enough hence the troubadour lifestyle yeah yeah it's you can't really I don't think you could probably really do that troubadour lifestyle without having someone giving you lots of money yeah. to do it. But we're kind of thinking, I guess, um, of his dad as being one of those fathers who wants his son to continue in the family line mm. and make lots of money and, you know, also show off how much they have right. so that you can um, keep keep up your standing mm. with other wealthy people, I guess. A wee bit Trump, but there we go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I guess, yeah. Yeah, a little bit less alarming. Oh, yes. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, he's got a son who is giving away all his money to beggars left, right and centre. <laughs> and I don't... I, no. Yeah. No. Okay, so after he's emptied out his purse yeah. on the tomb of um, St. Peter, he then exchanged his clothing with a beggar. Okay. And stood for the rest of the day fasting with the other beggars at the door of St. Peter's Basilica. <laughs> If that's not virtual signa- <laughs> virtue signaling, I do not know what is. But he didn't have anyone to see him. So I yeah. think that he genuinely meant it. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. He's not posing for a photo up or like putting it up on Instagram. No. Although now I am imagining him like doing the duck face oh, thing. And, um, <laughs> While someone takes down a quick painting. Let's just insta this. <laughs> To be fair, I think apparently he was very handsome, according to his hagiographers. So, oh, nice. So maybe um, we can imagine him flirting a little bit, being yeah. like, oh, I look good even in my beggar's robes. Yeah, his beggar's robe, they're ripped in just the right way. You can see like his abs underneath and like, wow. he, like flexes and oh, oh, St. Francis. St. Francis. Oh, my. Okay, so soon after this, when he came back to Assisi, he was praying at the ruined chapel of St. Damien's, which is near to Assisi. Mm-hmm. And he heard a voice saying, go, Francis, and repair my house, which, as you see, is falling into ruin. <laughs> Turned out it was a neighbor who was just asking him to do some odd job work. <laughs> Francis, no. Francis, why are you going to the church? Francis, my roof is leaking. Please help. <laughs> he would not be the person to call on for this because he's not really practical. <laughs> No, but, you know, needs yeah, must. Yeah. Um, so taking this as a vision from God mm-hmm. and taking this really literally, okay. being like, okay, I'm in this chapel. Right. It's falling apart. Oh, my God. I should repair it. <laughs> okay. So this was like the priest going like, here's a rube. I'm going to convince him <laughs> that, you know, God's speaking to him. Hey, Francis, Francis, you should really fix up this chapel and you should give the priest all your money. <laughs> okay. So. He goes straight to his father's warehouse. Mm-hmm. He grabbed a load of da- drapery. Right. Took it to the nearest market. Okay. And sold both it <laughs> and his horse. Oh, my God. He then tried to give the money to the priest at St. Damien's. <laughs> but the priest was horrified when he realized that the money came from, 
you know, technically stolen goods. Ah. And he refused to take it. Well, so play to that priest. Yeah, I know. He's a good guy. Yeah. I mean, his literally this um chapel is falling down. No one yeah. visits it anymore. And he's like, No, I'm not gonna take stolen money. That's ridiculous. Mm. Saint Francis gets so grumpy about this that he just hurls it on the floor and leaves. <laughs> The priest still, by the way, did not take the money. Later on, um, Francis's dad went and recovered the money from there. I was thinking it's like that line from Rick and Morty. No, let this be a strange, confusing monument <laughs> to our self-respect. Exactly. <laughs> um, so Francis obviously knew his dad was going to be mad at him. Yeah. So he hid himself in a cave near St. Damien's <laughs> for a month. Wow. I know. Yeah, at that point, like they've put it, they've put up the missing persons posters, and they're just happy to have him back. They don't, they don't, they're not going to remember the fact that you know he stole a load of shit and tried to give all the money to the chapel. Oh, if only. Oh no, I know. <laughs> so this is the sad part of Saint Francis's life, right? Um, when he finally emerges, like starving and filthy and a bit ragged, mm. um, he goes back into Assisi, and basically a rabble of people see him and start making fun of him as being a madman and they throw mud and stones at him and eventually his dad finds him gets him taken home beats him (laughs) i was gonna say he sweeps him up into his arms and he says francis francis i'm so glad to have you back now about that money you little shit (laughs) no he beats him ties him up and locks him in a dark closet oh my god i know i mean at this point he's probably like "Hmm, kind of like the cave yeah (laughs) this is my world now i was born in the cave and i will die in the cave oh poor francis (laughs) (laughs) okay so what did he do after this okay so after this his mother freed him while his dad was away on business because luckily his dad being a businessman he's always away that makes sense um so he sought shelter with the priest of saint damien's He's like, do you have a spare cave? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, But soon his father cited him before the city consoles. Right. Basically says, you know, I want my son to come back here, take responsibility for the money he stole from me, and to give up his inheritance. Damn. Yeah. Dad's going hard on this. His dad is pissed. Yeah. So St. Francis says, okay... I'm more than happy to give up my inheritance, Mm -hmm. but I've now chosen a religious life, so I can't be tried in front of the city consuls. I want to be tried in front of the bishop. Oh, he's like like outplayed his old man. He has. (laughs) So, in front of the bishop of Assisi, Francis says to his father, Hitherto I have called you my father on earth, Henceforth, I desire only to say our father who art in heaven. In order to sever all ties with his father, not only did he give him back all his possessions, but he took off his clothes and (laughs) gave them to him. (laughs) As a sort of um, severance package. Exactly. (laughs) Here, have these rancid ass lice ridden clothes. Well, I guess the point is that, you know, his his father had yeah. given him the clothes in the first place. And he says, you know, nothing of mine is now yours. Yeah. It's gone. I want to point out at this point, he is naked in front of the bishop as well as other members of Assisi. Mm, and they're naked in front of his... No, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> 
And they're in front of his bishop. Indeed. <laughs> so when I was a young teenager... St. Francis flashed you. Kind of. Oh, no. Um, when I was a young teenager um, at the convent school I went to... Right. Um, we watched this film... Where is this going? <laughs> We watched this film called Brother Sun and Sister Moon, which is a biographical life of St. Francis. Right. Uh, made by Francesco Zeffirelli. Francesco Zeffirelli? Well, no. Um, the, who's this great Italian filmmaker. Right. And the thing is that it does this whole episode. And all I can say is that the actor playing St. Francis was hot. <laughs> And there was a whole little generation of Catholic schoolgirls <laughs> who ended up with a crush on St. Francis after viewing his delightful bum. <laughs> wow, that's amazing. That is a convent school shooting itself in the foot by like trying to teach teach all these impressionable young girls about like the holy man St. Francis mm-hmm. and his connection to God and instead like gives them a sexual awakening. Oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> um, and also the best part of it is that um, Zeffirelli's idea of St. Francis is basically as like a an early version of a hippie. And it's wonderful. Like it's literally all these, um, all these monks and nuns being like, "We're one with the earth, man." Yeah, I can totally see that. It's great. It's not really accurate, (laughs) but it's great. (laughs) I highly recommend it to anybody who's interested in Franco Zeffirelli. Mm -hmm. Um, That was it, Franco Zeffirelli, not Francisco. Franco Zeffirelli, or um, basically ideas about Saint Francis and mild sexiness. Okay. So I guess back to the story. We're with St. Francis. He's got his cock out. He has. Um, <laughs> the bishop covered him with his own cloak, after which Francis wandered into the hills be- behind Assisi. And the bishop was like, that bastard going to give me my cloak back at any point? <laughs> In the film, he just walks off. It's great. <laughs> You're right. Do you need a minute? <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm just fanning myself gently. <laughs> In the memories. <laughs> Continue. Well, so this is the St. Francis origin story that I wanted to tell you, basically. Okay. And after this, he spent some time with the Benedictine monks, learning how to be a monk, decided that their way was not for him because it didn't embrace poverty enough. Right. Um, and basically created the most impoverished version of monks that could exist. Um, at some point I want to tell you all about the rest of his life because Mm -hmm. it is interesting and fascinating and he was like just absolutely incredible okay Um, but I think there's too much for us to go over here so I think that basically I'm going to leave you with St. Francis being as impoverished as it is possible to be yeah to give you an idea of this he said that the franciscans should never own any property including Mm -hmm. houses Mm -hmm. that when they begged they shouldn't receive money right only food yeah and um that they should not have any luxuries at all when i talk to you about the idea of um him eating bread and vegetables i know this because he put a specific rule in that uh, monks uh, who were franciscans shouldn't uh, soak vegetables overnight which apparently was a common way of cooking them because it was too luxurious oh wow okay yeah just dig them out the ground with your teeth mm-hmm. and 
eat them. Don't chew them. Chew, no. Chewing them is far too much luxury. You have to swallow them whole like a duck. <laughs> <laughs> Just tilt your head back, get a carrot all the way down. And to rare the... this shit. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> one of the great ironies of his life yeah. is that if you go to Assisi nowadays, mm-hmm. one of the main attractions there is um, the tomb they built for him, basically. The church that stands over it. And he was like... I just wanted them to dunk me in a cave. Well, <laughs> he definitely did not want this. No. Basically, the second he died, the the friars, all out of their love for him, went mm. round begging for money right, so that they could build this chapel. The chapel of St. Francis of Assisi is covered in the most beautiful artwork and gold that you can ever see. It is incredible. And it's the opposite of anything he would have wanted. I'm going to show you a picture. Okay. While you're searching for that, it just sounds like that it's one of those situations where you've got this person who's like very committed to this idea of like being impoverished and everything like that and gets a following because, you know, it's interesting. It's cool. He's got all these new ideas. Mm -hmm. And then when he dies, they're like, well, he was talking more metaphorically when he said that we shouldn't have any money or land or anything like that. He was just saying that we should be careful with it. So we're now going to, you know, go back to a life of luxury. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I don't think they ever said it was a metaphor. I think it's more just that it works for a small group of followers yes. to live like that. Yeah. People can't live like that. No. Um, he's trying so hard for them to be extremely impoverished and just that never works out with big organizations oh my god that (laughs) is i mean it's amazing yes the basilica of san francesco Mm -hmm. but yeah that is uh it's gaudy yeah it is gaudy yeah it's definitely not the sort of the sort of thing you'd expect for a person who in order to sever his ties with the worldly life would take off all his clothes and wander either nude or semi-nude into the hills around Assisi (laughs) just to find a good cave yeah (laughs) really into those caves and that's why St Francis is the patron saint of speleologists And on that note, <laughs> that completely specious note, <laughs> thank you so much for listening to That Time When. You can follow us on Twitter at That Time When 4. You can uh, email us at ttwpod at gmail.com if you would like to make any suggestions for episodes. And thank you to Kevin McLeod for our theme tune, Anachronist, and any other music that I put in these episodes. And thank you to you, the listener. Now go take off your clothes and wander into the hills. Bye!